Welcome to the seven and a half floor of the Merton Flummer Building. As you'll now be spending your workday here, it is important that you learn a bit about the history of this famous floor. Welcome to Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute, the daily podcast in which we interview the film Being John Malkovich one minute at a time. I'm your host, Austin Pryor, and joining me this week from the Love Rosie podcast are Luke Allen and Ellen Asprey. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having us on. Thanks for joining me here in the tunnel. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, really uh, impressed by your sound effect, Ben. That was, that was that got me. <laughs> Introductions. Ellen, first. Hello. Hello. Who are you? Where do you come from? Um, I'm from Wales and I do the Love Rosie podcast and that's about as enough as people are ever going to find out about me. So. That's that's your mark on the internet. Good. Yep. <laughs> Luke, hit me. Well, I'm from England, but it's it's not as cross-Atlantic our shows as it might sound. It, it, <laughs> it is literally about an hour long drive. Um, and I also host the Love Rosie podcast as well as other shows, but this is the one that, we, that I like at the moment. <laughs> what, what about you? Uh, I'm, I'm Austin Pryor host of Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute and that's my only mark I've been you know I've okay. been so, all around this yeah. crazy world and done some crazy things but I've I've been kind of an internet non-entity until now okay great we're all similar then so today uh, we explore minute 11 of being John Malkovich minute 11 opens with Craig attempting in vain to be understood by Floris and ends one minute later with Dr. Lester starting to challenge Craig's filing prowess any thoughts on this minute I was so excited when I opened this up. It's, this, Great. I, I was just going to say, I just overall, the whole speech impediment gag is just the type of complete stupid comedy that I love. And I think that's the mm. one that it, it won me over. It was just, I thought it was just going to be this exchange with the secretary so that when it kicks back in, kind of bleeds a bit into next minute. With yeah. I'm apologizing and everything. I was like, this is great. This is gold. It is ridiculous. Yeah. And, and the fact that you're meeting the two people at two different moments. Mm. So the gag of her mishearing everything and him then believing himself to have the speech impediment is, is just as, great. Uh, in the loosest term, as a comedy writer myself, um, I, I love that. Like, I've done it a couple of times, which people will hopefully find out in, in, the, in the new film. Uh, but, but essentially, where, when you have a setup and a punchline and then you wait a bit and you hit them with that second punchline they don't expect. And I think that's just brilliant. That's great. Because so much of comedy is taking you by surprise that yeah. being able to add a second punchline which is sometimes is a callback sometimes it's so much more than a callback and i think that's just fantastic see i think i missed this bit because i just wrote down i didn't get it <laughs> so i maybe i just missed this and i think i was a bit overwhelmed by what on earth is a seven and a half floor yeah like what is going on like i didn't i didn't know whether this film was serious a joke like, I just that's didn't what's so fantastic i think is that it is genuinely like not even like the sort of surreal like airplane naked gun where they do serious this is full-on directed seriously acted like a dark drama yeah and it's yeah i i know what you mean it's it, you it's got silly things in that just kind of throw you mm. off that i think i enjoyed film. it this time around more than ever before i think possibly because i was prepared unlike last time i saw it i was prepared to be like this is a funny film i'm gonna have fun yeah Great, great. Yeah, because the opening sets the tone with this very, you know, beautifully artistic uh, uh, yeah. puppet show with this, you know, mm. 
which as soon as you see a puppet, maybe you think kid stuff. And then very quickly you're like, oh, no, this is another level. And and the Bartok music is, you know, very dramatic and modern classical. And you're like, oh, so it does set you. It does wrong foot you in the yeah. tone. And Kaufman does depressing really well. So, like, you, you don't know what you're going to get with Kaufman. Y- yeah like for people who have said to me as i've been talking about this oh yeah yeah i love charlie coffin but i haven't seen this one yet that is such such a strange thing to me like totally understandable especially because you know your your children (laughs) compared to me i'm a very old man people have said that that to me about syndicate new york i still haven't seen it okay well that's great and that's like you know high octane Kaufman you know what I mean he is really going for it and he can lean in because he was writing and directing by that stage but this is his introduction to the world and his you know crazy sense of humor so Ellen on your first viewing which was like last night Mm -hmm. you didn't find yourself laughing much is it no I didn't honestly didn't I found it so strange like everything with the puppets and just every I just found it so strange (laughs) Maybe when I watch it again, I'll understand it a little bit more. But first watch, definitely a bit strange. I did enjoy it, though. It's very clever. Mm, very clever mm. film. But I just guess I just missed the comedy aspect of it. I don't yeah, know. yeah. So uh, the comic timing in this scene, I've just always enjoyed so much. Oh, come in, uh, Mr. Warren. <laughs> Actually, my name is Craig Schwartz, Dr. Lester. Security! No, sir, it's... A- it's just a little mix-up with your secretary. My name is Craig Schwartz. I tried to explain that to her. She's not my secretary. She's what they call an executive liaison. Ah. And I'm not banging her, if that's what you're implying. No, sir, not at all. I think I must have simply misspoke. Especially this extremely long pause <laughs> um, once said. Uh... Yeah, I've literally put the silence is just <laughs> awful here. <laughs> and and uh, Dr. Lester just takes this minute to stare at Craig and then changes his personality or, cha- or changes his demeanor at least. And we're talking about Orson Bean here. This is the first scene with, with Dr. Lester. O- Orson Bean, just amazing comic timing in this movie. And I had never seen him in anything. I dug into my research with him and um, he was kind of one of the first people to be considered famous for being famous. Now, he was an entertainer. He was a stand up. He was a stage magician before that. Uh, But then he ended up just being a darling of the talk shows. And in the era when the talk shows were kind of exploding in the US. So Ed Sullivan and then um, Johnny Carson. He was on Johnny Carson's show 200 times. Okay. 200 times. Uh, Over 200, I think. I don't think it was like the round number, exactly 200. That's insane. It was when you could kind of just be a guy who would just turn up and chat a bit like podcasting. Mm. He does have like the kind of accent for Mm. that, doesn't he? Yeah. Like his voice is very slow. Mm -hmm. And he is so Um, likable. Like he's instantly kind of like, I want to be friends with this guy. (laughs) Totally. And and as you say, Ellen, he's got that, and that will play in his his beautiful diction and his great speech. It's <laughs> just such a great yeah. setup for the uh, speech impediment. Um, yeah, so he he does, and he and he has kind of an old Hollywood vibe about his, the way yeah. he speaks. Yeah. And sadly, we we lost him only last year. He died oh. at the age of ninety one. Um, and he was didn't reach 105. Yeah, I know. I, you would you would love. I would love if he, he made it to the uh, 
105 but who knows how long he would have survived because he was actually tragically hit by a car he wasn't you know he didn't he didn't die of old age or or an illness yeah it was just a really awful accident but it just looking at him play this scene it just baffles me that he wasn't in more Mm. comedy around then or since you know just that uh, he did a lot of theater it looks like and i I think he did uh, he did kind of an evening with you know where he would do yeah but not even not even just comedy like in any other films like you don't really see I don't think I've really seen that much he's just done very few things I've seen all these clips now that show him turning up in game shows and sitcoms over the years but he is just so amazing in this and he feels like a he feels like a find he feels like you're discovering him in this you know uh, certainly I did and then just Nothing else came of it. I would have loved to have seen him with Leslie Nielsen. Like they've just got that kind of the the way (laughs) of playing comedy lines as if they're complete serious stuff, which is just perfect. But yeah, it's just it's just wonderful. I think it's it's it it, yeah. It's just as I said. I think before the show, this is when the film won me over. I was just completely in tune with the humor from this moment. I was like, okay, I get what you're doing. I'm in. Well, and, and and this is this would be an absurd scene in any other movie, and this is, in comparison to the rest of the film, probably one of the most realistic things that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of grounded in reality compared to uh, a lot of the other stuff. But yeah, I mean, it was a very clear vision of Spike Jones from early on to take this very zany script that had kind of too many ideas in it and sell the reality of it and take you on this bizarre journey but based on you know a completely realistic or naturalistic let's say take on the direction the acting and everything but having said that the comic timing and the way these scenes play out is kind of classic comedy you know what i mean it's really funny and perfect you know i really like how this film's filmed Mm. i really like it and I, the yeah, it director works. of photography Lance Accord, who uh, worked with uh, Spike Jones extensively before and since uh, on all his like music videos, and yeah, so he Jones came into this as his feature debut. I was going to say, uh, wasn't it Malkovich who brought Jones on board? No, it was um, Francis Ford Coppola. Interesting. Coppola ended up with the script, and uh, he passed it on to his. I said his son-in-law in in a previous episode is actually Spike Jones was dating Sofia Coppola at the time, not yet married to her, but yeah, son-in-law to be. Yeah, Jones picked it up and and that's how they started to collaborate on it. So, but then Jones and and Kaufman obviously worked really well together because they went on to make Adaptation together. Yeah, which I planned on watching through this week and didn't get the chance, but I'm definitely watching it next week. I remember Adaptation being amazing. When you you come back for Adaptation minutes, you know, you'll you'll have plenty of time to to watch it before then. It's it's wonderful. I think adaptation is definitely more confusing than being John Markovich. Like it kind of, it, it takes a while to get your head around. It, it, yeah, it kind of, it bends reality more and you have to, you, you've got more mental exercise to go, oh yeah, the characters are influencing the way the story is being written. So now it becomes Donald's movie and, and you have mm. to kind of, when the third act fails dramatically, that's when it succeeds because it, it has to be bad <laughs> for this for the story yeah, to work it's the, dra- the drama mental, has to not work yeah it's, it's the, probably one of the most meta films and i won't talk too much about it because yeah, i know Ellen, yeah. you haven't seen it um but adaptation is probably one of the most artsy meta things i've seen 
And so for many reasons, whilst I loved it, I had no feeling until now about wanting to go back to it because I'm like, I don't think my brain can handle this. <laughs> See, it took me a while to get used to being John Malkovich, mm. to be honest. Yeah. But I like that. I kind of like yeah. how it was twisted. Well, you like a challenge. Yeah, I do. I really do. So maybe I'll give adaptation a, a go. Do, do. Um, and the way it connects to being John Malkovich is... Mm-hmm is unique like it's a very strange yeah. yeah and i won't i won't uh go into it anymore okay okay yeah so uh so i just love the uh the term executive liaison which actually sounds more like that he would be involved in an affair with with her when she's called his executive liaison than mm-hmm. than his secretary but that seems to be the uh association he has with uh with secretaries all of them apparently yeah (laughs) one thing i noticed this time minute by minute and never really took notice of before is that the people coming out of dr lester's office before craig goes in are three elderly people and they're very noticeably not of working age so they're not other interviewees so they're the fellow yeah exactly they're fellow acolytes or or um cult members or whatever you way you want to call them oh wow i didn't notice that do they do uh, do those two specifically come back i think they do i'm gonna check as those bits of the movie come in yeah i think i recognize their faces from other parts of the movie but uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna check back that that was a very weird part of the movie as it all is but that was something for some reason their entire part of the film that i did not remember yeah i think i think the uh, the amount that i forgot really shocked me because i remember it loving the film so much so that i did i think i sent you a picture austin go to a comic con a couple of years ago as yes. john malkovich yeah um, i saw that which is a very simple costume but yeah going back into it charlie sheen was a surprise for me this time <laughs> which i just loved and I, I was listening to a couple of interviews with john malkovich and i found out that he requested charlie sheen despite the fact that he'd never met charlie sheen he just decided that charlie sheen would be a good best friend Yes, and it was an inspired choice, and it was Kevin Bacon in the original script. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 had no interest in doing it. Um, but I find like with um, actors that play themselves in films, I often find that the films are quite generic and somewhat boring. So that's why I didn't really have high hopes for John Malkovich. But oh, gotcha. I actually was yeah. really impressed with it, and I was really, I really enjoyed it. Came out really enjoying it. Mm. I think I read that Malkovich just said he approached it like it was any other role. Um, yeah. which I think is really important because he considered John Malkovich to just be another character. Yeah. And I think that's the way to do it is Definitely. not try and, and, and I, I just love the decision for Malkovich, like an actor of that mixed caliber of, I've seen him in something, but I don't know what that's yeah. perfect. He definitely yeah. fits I, role I actually well. discovered being John Malkovich after considering myself a John Malkovich fan. So that was kind of a different thing <laughs> because I watched um, in secondary school, we watched of mice and men and he plays Lenny in of mice and men. And oh, I came out great. going like that guy's an amazing actor. What's he done? And then I went, he's been in a film about himself. And then I just watched <laughs> it and I was like, Oh my goodness, I love this actor. And apparently quite often as well, like I was going to interview John Malkovich, the number of times he gets asked, oh, were you the guy from being John Malkovich? It's so <laughs> silly. Um, but yeah, sorry, we've tangented off the minute for quite a bit. But yeah, Malkovich is just, he, he was my favourite actor for a long time. He's now hes now been replaced with Bill Nye. Sorry, John Malkovich. Oh, wow. Um, but but he, he was genuinely my favourite actor for a really long time. So he's um, your second choice. 
So this is why I announced that I'm going to be writing Being Bill Nye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Building on the mythos of Captain Merton and his portal. Uh, okay, so speaking of the portal, it's time for you two to be ejected. I'm afraid you're going to find yourself uh, falling out into a ditch on the side of the New Jersey Turnpike. That's an awful long way from Shropshire. Yeah, you, <laughs> we'll have to figure it out because you need to be back here for tomorrow. That's true. <laughs> okay. Oh, well... <laughs> I would actually, I'll, I'll take going to, uh, to New York, Jersey, New Jersey. I'll take that. I'll go. Okay. I'm yeah, off. well. That's, that's true. You really have no choice, but maybe, yeah, maybe you can we'll turn, zoom it, in tomorrow. turn it into a trip. I mean, not many people get to travel yeah. nowadays, you know, think yeah. about yes. that. So just before you go, do you want to plug uh, Twitter or uh, Kickstarter, hint, hint? Um, you can go follow Minor Luke's podcast Instagram, so at Pod, And then do you want to ma- name stuff. me Twitter and Facebook? Yeah, it's just the same Love Rosie Pod on Twitter and Facebook. And I assume with your mention of, of a Kickstarter uh, that you were <laughs> suggesting in regards to the film, our Indiegogo campaign has closed, but by this point we'll have oh. opened up a PayPal uh, because some people still want to donate and we still want to accept donations. So um, if anyone wants to support Reduce to Clear, a surrealist comedy set in a charity shop, um, uh, so in many ways similar comedy to this but sillier and more openly silly okay. uh, then I'm co-writing and co-directing Ellen is an art director for one of our scenes and yeah great uh, so so uh, what's the base for that is there a is there a reduced to clear dot com or a um, if there's anything there it will be over at lukeallen.co.uk lukeallen.co.uk good stuff link in the description that's great okay I can hold you no longer <laughs> <laughs>